2: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, the show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever, talking all things Manchester United. Subscribe wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And you can watch us on Tuesdays and Fridays twice a week. Head over to YouTube, subscribe there, like this video, leave a comment for us as well and we'll do our best to get back to you. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU for the show. Rob, I thought I'd get those out of the way first thing. Uh, how are you
1: doing? Not too bad. A little bit tired from uh, from work the last few days and looking forward now to some more kind of Manchester United action. We've got some good stuff to talk about today in terms of one of our players and obviously a returning superstar who we hope now kicks on and helps our football club.
2: Yes, we'll talk about Jaden Sancho. That is the That's the man. Rob is talking about it. was lovely to see him come back the other night with a smile on his face and we heard the Old Trafford crowd give him a nice, rousing cheer. Eric Ten Hag with his arm around him, you know, talking him up as he was about to join, come on the pitch. I think there was even a moment where Bruno Fernandes probably could have squared it to him and he put, he had a tap in, but he chose to shoot, which was a shame. Uh, but we'll talk Jadon Sancho because he's back in the mix. Anthony Martial is back in the mix. Maybe you're talking about Martial, Rob, were you? Or... I talk about both of them. Talk about both of them. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, how Eric Tenha could maybe use Jaden Sancho moving forward, as we've Rob and I have both touched on it, but potential new role for him. Uh, yeah. we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks. But it's good to see him back in a red shirt. We'll talk in general just about how United's injury situation barring Christine Eriksen, obviously Donny van der Beek McTominay's out for a little while. Dallow's out still as well. But the injury situation up front is starting to clear up a little bit. Touch wood. So that gives Eric Ten Hag a number of options to choose from. We'll talk. We did a live the other day, Marcel Sabitzer, that was pre-signing on deadline day. He has since signed, as we kind of suspected he would. And uh, maybe we'll just reflect on that a little bit towards the end as well. And then uh, we'll look ahead to Crystal Palace too, which is a Saturday kickoff. Plus anything Rob wants to wants to add in uh, but we'll... Uh, Have a think, Rob. If there's anything you'd like to bring up, but yes, let's let's talk Jaden because Eric Ten Hag brought him back on Wednesday night. United are in a United are in a final as well. That's uh, something we should probably mention. Going to Wembley at the end of February against Newcastle, Uh, one game away from their first trophy in six years or something like that. It's been a long, long time. I. Yeah, I'm. I'm confident. Newcastle will be a difficult game, difficult, difficult game. But I think there's there's a lot of know-how in there. There's a lot of trophy-winning know-how in there. And uh, if they can turn up on the day, I think they got a great chance. But Jaden Sancho will hopefully be a part of that. Uh, maybe we'll talk. We'll reflect on that game a little bit more. But let's do Jaden. Uh, Ten Hag said when asked about Jaden Sancho coming on in the centre of the pitch. He said mm. we've done it before with Bruno out wide it's a different dynamic. Jaden can play as a number 10 or as a winger. We mix it up and around. That's what I like. The position has to be occupied to keep the discipline otherwise it's going to be a mess.
1: Is this a thing that we're going to see more of? Rob? I believe so and I believe there are kind of a kind of multitude of reasons why this is the way it is going to go and why we're talking about it in the manner that we are because I kind of think, we think about Jadon Sancho arriving from Borussia Dortmund and the function that he was brought to fill in. He was kind of bought to fill in the Solskjaer problem on the right, wasn't he? He was brought to come in in the 4-2-3-1 to be the guy on the right-hand side and to be the one that feeds the striker inside whoever that might be, whether that be Cristiano or someone else. I think when you look at Jadon Sancho and where we are now months on, obviously he's been out of the team for well-reported reasons. We know about his kind of own rehabilitation Uh, In the Netherlands, we know how the manager thinks about this. In all this time period and where we are now, and United being relatively successful on a football pitch in the last few months, we're seeing that Rashford and Garnacho have tied down the left. They seem to be in that rotation. It's comfortable Marcus as the number one guy and Garnacho as two. I think on the flip side, on the other side of the pitch, there's Anthony who's obviously come on for tons of criticism, which we both believe is unfair, and we'll chat about that a little bit more. But you're also seeing Bruno Fernandes continually being pushed out to the right. Now, I've talked about that recently. And as I've tried to explain and say about Bruno losing the ball in the middle of the park, I think there is part of that saying, can Bruno still be part of this attack? But maybe with a bit more space on the right hand side, he's never going to be your flying right winger. So what do you do with Jadon Sancho? So, again, we've said recently that it was difficult to know whether he would play as a 10 because he never has. He never really did it at Dortmund. Coming through the ranks at City, he did it a little bit, but he kind of did go more into wide areas. Also played up top at times at City. But now we see it kind of, how do you use Jaden Sancho? Is it a problem or is it actually a good problem? You know, there's a kind of yin and yang here. I think it's a very good problem. So the manager has now set his stall out and talked about Sancho as the number 10. I think that's where we're going to go with this. I think Jaden Sancho won't be an automatic starter, But I think he will work his way back into the team through the centre of the pitch. And that's where Anthony Martial becomes vital as well, Scott. Because I think Martial and Sancho as a pairing through that central kind of channel with all of this dynamic movement around them on the right-hand side and with the midfield that actually does the job now compared to maybe our previous midfields. I think it's exciting times in terms of the player. I think Sancho could find a real home in that position going forward. What did you, what did you make
2: of his uh, performance on his comeback? A Few nice touches, look pretty sharp,
1: look sharp, you rusty. You know, like expected a little bit of ring rust there. You, you can't expect someone to kind of climb back in the ring and be punch perfect straight away. And I think there was a little bit of that. Uh, I think the thing is, the terms of like building up his fitness now and his match fitness, and that will be obviously the idea of the manager. It, it, that is has to be a, a work in progress. We're not going to see it like that. And I think it might still be two, three, four weeks before we see anything like the Jaden Sancho that we think we know. Um, you know, we've got the, the, the Palace game coming up. No offence to Palace. but I think, again, their formation le- lends into maybe giving Sancho additional minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts against Palace and maybe they do it the other way, that he does 60 minutes and that you, you then bring him off rather than what they did in the, in the last game. But you need Jaden Sancho if you want to be a serious team in the top four, don't you? Like, he's a 70, 80 million pound footballer. Only 10 minutes ago, he was a generational England national talent. And he needs to get back to what he's good at, which is scoring goals and assisting goals. So can he do that as a 10? I, I believe he can. I, I think he'll enjoy that role. He's got to be part of this new press, Scott. He's got to be able to do all those things. And I think we saw at Dortmund, he was actually all right at the press. He wasn't like... He's not going to be a pressing monster, but he can intercept. He can be smart. He can do all that stuff. I think Ten Hag is really excited about having him back in the team and having a different option at 10 because we've all said, haven't we, Bruno's undroppable. Who do you pay at the 10? Let's play Eriksen there. Oh, no, you can't play Eriksen there because he's injured. Well, you can play Sancho there now, and I think we'll see a lot more minutes for Jaden through the middle.
2: What does – you've named the Eriksen – Bruno Fernandes, Marcel Savitsa can play there. Yeah. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I don't think he will, but he can. Um, what does Sancho bring to that position? Because uh, Ten Hag has talked about, you know, there's a lot of options for forward positions, right? So mm. you've got Anthony, uh, Sancho, Weghorst, Martial, Rashford, Garnacho as a front, you know, front six. Ten Hag has talked about picking players for certain matches and this kind of thing and making certain plans. What does Sancho bring in that 10 area
1: that perhaps the others don't? Flair, creativity, genius. That like, I think that on the ball in those areas like again I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm having a go at Bruno, I'm really not. You know, I think Bruno in the final third Anywhere in the final third is a fantastic footballer's metrics show it. And he's a leader and et cetera, et cetera. You know, we know what Bruno is, what he's good at. I think in that number 10 role, you can see Sandra be more of a traditional number 10. You know, someone that kind of pulls the strings, you know, does all of that stuff. Don't really have that, do we now? With Ericsson out the team, that's the 10 that Ericsson is. Someone who sees the football pitch in technicolour, yeah, from the number 10. I think Bruno's a little bit more rigid in the way he plays. And obviously he's devastating when he gets in the box, he scores goals. I think Sancho can become that player. We mustn't forget, Scott, that looking at Sancho's career, going back to Dortmund, that he was an incredible penalty box operator. Incredible, you know, double digits in assists and goals. And I think the goals mm-hmm. bit is what people have forgotten. Jaden Sancho knows where the back of the net is. We saw Liverpool, didn't we, early in the season, that finish. And that was kind of from the 10, wasn't it? Coming into the box... Tiny bit of space, slot it away. That's good. That's what you want from Bruno. That's what you want from Jaden. I think Ericsson could give you that, but Ericsson is gone till April. So no point thinking about him. You haven't then got a lot of choices at 10. So bit, so we should really talk about and uh, I think now more depth now that he has signed for the team because he's played a lot. Do that 10. Later, but... Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> him later in, in more depth. But he's played <laughs> at 10 he's played at 10 a lot. So in his career, and I think people are thinking he's more a six, he's more an eight. Yeah. He has been in recent times, but throughout his career, he's got an incredible XG from those areas. He really has. He he can score goals. He can assist. He's very good at it. So this is all about options, Scott, for the manager, isn't it? And you bring in a new player, you get Sancho back, who's like a new signing, yawn, and you've suddenly got... No, but actually is. I didn't hate that one this time. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't hate it either because we're talking about it in the correct context, aren't we? So I think the things with Sancho is that he has been out the team for like almost like three months. Was it October? I was looking October. at the other day. Modern it's a long time. Months. Like it's, it's almost like he's had a serious injury and he's been out. And I think it shows mm-hmm. maybe how. But clubs now look at mental health and preparation. And if you're ready to play, you know, it's not just about have I twisted my ankle anymore. It's about, you know, up here as well. And that's how it should be. You've got to be sympathetic to those things. But then when you look at Jaden Sancho, he I, I liked it that there was a big smile on his face when he was coming on. He looked like he was ready and, and willing. And, you know, the crowd singing Sancho, 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 you know, it was great because I think he needs that. And I think the fact that, We still forget maybe that he's young and that he's got years ahead of him, that we can help him at Manchester United and get him to where he needs to be. Forget the transfer fee, forget England, forget missing a penalty in the Euros finals and all of that stuff. We've got to kind of look at the present and the now and help him and get him back to where he needs to be. He's still the right signing for me. You know, we spent that money on it. There's a lot of people saying, oh, we shouldn't have spent that money on Sancho. I disagree Absolutely with that. Not. No. I, I think he's exactly the profile of player you'd like in your front line. If you're going to compete with Arsenal playing beautiful football and compete with City, who have got seven years in their project, and compete with Liverpool, who are now up and down and trying to find their way again, you need a Jaden Sancho-like footballer in that front line who can do different stuff to Bruno, to Marcus, and to Anthony Martial. Do you remember on this pod,
2: Rob, we, I think it was like a month ago, we were talking about Cody Gakpo Mm. and the numbers that he was putting up, and you just mentioned there about goals and assists from Sancho. We said at the time, we have a player in the team who has done comparable, if not better, numbers more consistently than Cody Gakpo has in a better league, and he's not playing. So that was part of the reason why I I was unsure about Gakpo signing. And the way it started out at Liverpool, I think, Yeah, I don't want to... Temp bait or anything, but I think
1: <laughs> you, I don't think it was the worst thing that United missed out on him.
2: Yeah, but, look, um, I, I, he, I, come I, good,
1: I'm sure. I felt yeah. I felt Gakpo was suitable for what Ten Hag wanted in that in that actual moment when United were looking at options, someone who could play wide and come in. We're obviously still talking about a pre-Rashford form as well. So Rashford has exploded everywhere now. Marcus probably the hottest forward on the planet. And we're all happy to see that, aren't we? And long may it continue, you know, but you're only one injury away from having a different opinion about stuff. So I think when you look at, at Sancho, Sancho is actually more uh, kind of applicable to Ten Hag style than say maybe Gakpo is now. And I think Gakpo will, will find it tough at Liverpool because they're a team who are bobbing towards trending towards somewhere where they don't want to be, aren't they? So they're struggling in the table but you didn't buy him because you were worried about the value, weren't you? So but so you've got this 70 million pound, you know, attacking midfielder forward. Use him now. You know, he's ready. Get him, get him going. And he fits the 10 better than Gakpo ever would, doesn't he? So if you're going to play someone at 10, Jaden Sancho fits our style of football more than Cody Gakpo would have been. Yeah, I'm not going to tempt fate. I think, I think Gakpo will still do well for Liverpool. You just might not find that Liverpool are automatic top two because one thing Cody Gakpo is not is Sadio Mane. He's not. He's not going to give you those kind of numbers in the Premier League. He'll score goals, I'm sure, like Darwin Nunes will, but you've got to be at the highest elite level, haven't I mean, you, world level, to be able to do it every week at a club like Liverpool.
2: Yeah, exciting times to see Jadon Sancho back. Obviously, United do have a lot of... Injury issues to contend with at the moment. Scott McTominay is
1: not a long term one, but it's still, I think that's a few weeks. Mm. Uh, and then they said he mid-fielder... might be ready for Palace, they said he's on the outside yeah, chance, day. outside chance. But Scotty always heals from injuries. Like, I don't know why it's like he, he gets in some kind of oxygen tank, and then like two days later, he's training, and you're like. And that's also why managers always he's like He's a to unit, me. to be fair. He's, he's, just, he's kind of bomb-proof. Like, he'll do his knee one week and the next week he's training and you're a bit like, you're supposed to be out for four weeks and, like, you've been out for ten minutes. So, um, But, yeah, I, I think with Scotty, it's if he is out for a little period, it's kind of not too bad. You have just signed a, a very nice midfielder from Bayern Munich.
2: Well, let's talk about that now because Marcel Sabitzer has signed. He's been handed the number 15 shirt. That number seven's being kept warm for someone, isn't it? Uh, oh, gotcha. And well, let's see. Jaden, could it could it be Jaden? Would it be? I know that that was part that was part of the, the appeal in coming to United in the first place. It was sold to but, him. That's uh, what he was told.
1: He was getting he, he was told he was getting <laughs> the number seven before you know what happened. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that so he's got a chance to claim that now, hasn't he? If he gets back in the team and plays brilliantly, back of his shirt, we know what number he'll be wearing next year.
2: Sabitzer has worn seven at previous clubs, has. he is number 15 <laughs> looking at uh, <laughs> and has signed. I think I was asked on, actually asked on TikTok today. Um, <laughs> Where <are> you now? <laughs> <laughs> I was asked on TikTok today, do you think this was planned from United? And I think the, the way I kind of digest it is, obviously, I think Ten Hag is enough of a He's renowned for planning ahead, right? Totally. I'm sure that Eric Ten Hag has seen Marcel a play in the last few years. And I'm sure that he would have been on a list of players that he would like. And that's probably how United have acted. You know, if, if they're thinking, oh, damn, we need to do something. The manager said have. that he
1: knows him really well. Manager said that. Yes. He's gone, I know him from Leipzig. I know him really well. I know exactly what he brings to the table. So th- th- I think that's the thing, Scott, isn't it? That we've made a lot of kind of knee-jerk signings over so many years, 10 years, it's what it is. I don't really think this was knee-jerk. It was quick and it was efficient and they did it in a, in a good manner for Manchester United. But yeah, the manager, I think, knows him and he's, he's kind of put that out there. So it's not a kind of unknown quantity. It's not your next to Gallo, put it that way.
2: Yes, it's different, isn't it? I think Veghorst yeah. as well. I know that like it's been leveled at United that these are more panic signings, but that's because they have they're cheap options, of course. They're cheap short term options. And I think But a lot of I think a lot of United fans can see the sense in the two signings that they've made this month. Uh there's no long term commitment. If everything goes well with Sabitzer and Veghorst and they uh, have to be signed, then I'm sure that there's a way to do it. But I'm sure that in the long term planning Signing a thirty-eight-year-old, not thirty-eight-year-old, a thirty-year-old, not Ronaldo. Thirty-year-old, a a and <laughs> a, it's Ronaldo's birthday in a few days' time. Happy birthday oh. to him! Uh, happy birthday, Cristiano! Birthday. Happy birthday, to Cristiano! Turns thirty-eight. Um, Signing a twenty-eight year old and a thirty-year-old think is a good approach now in terms of what the team needs now. And I compare it to Arsenal signing Trossard and Jorginho, and they've been getting a lot of stick for not making their first-choice signings. But I think for the everyone's obsessed with making long-term signings and this kind of thing, and ultimately that is the way you should do it. But if you're in a position where you have short-term goals to meet, like Arsenal do, like United do, of getting into top four, having that experience. And know-how is actually quite vital. So I think Sabitz a, a 28 experience, played Champions League, captain of Austria.
1: A really good acquisition for me. Very good. And before we carry on a little bit, so I'm gonna ask you a question, Scott, because it's in my head. Because you're talking about Veghorse, so I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you a question for once. <laughs>
2: Are
1: Manchester United better with Veghorse at the top of the pitch than Cristiano?
2: Yes. Sure, I think it, so. it,
1: it, it's undeniable. Isn't it? So I think this is kind of where we are going in in a Manchester United universe is that we have to be a little bit more factual about those things. Are you better with this player who's not as good as that player? Yes, we get it. We understand that people love Ronaldo and Vegas means nothing to no one. But are we a better team with Vegas at the top? Are we a better team with Martial at the top? Doesn't matter what people think about them. Are we better? I think it's undeniable that we are so much better post-World Cup. In what we're doing now than what we were maybe pre-World Cup when we were kind of four, fifth, six around that level. So, you know, I think this is when you look at Sabitzer and kind of expanding on it. Are we going to be better with Sibitsu in the team? That's only we'll wait and see, isn't it? I think we will be. You know, he's an operator at twenty-eight years old, like you said, a little bit more experienced. And people maybe don't who maybe don't know Sibitsa, and we're not kind of pretending to be all encompassing experts on him, but he is a leader. He's a leader, you know, he's captain football clubs and Champions League football clubs. I don't think that can be underrated. Do you know what I mean? Putting someone in the middle of your pit park, like Casemiro, you see. Casemiro's leadership skills come from naturally from his game and how he is and his dexterity and his experience. And you, you're buying into that with the big fee, aren't you, with him and paying him the big wage. I think Sabitza can also give you that a little bit of that top end quality. And someone that does all that work as well. So I'm kind of excited to see what he does because I would not be surprised that come the end of the season, we're all clamouring that he's a he's a full-time signing. We're all going... You know what? The, the difference, though, is him.
2: I think if they had gone and got Veghorst on a three-, four-year deal yeah. for money and Sab- Sabitzer on a three-, four-year deal for money, I think it'd be a different conversation. Yes. I think you'd be looking at panic signing. Panic signing. But... I think that maybe has more weight. I don't, wouldn't necessarily agree with it. But the fact that they've got them in on short-term loans with no uh, obligations or anything—not even options—I don't think mm. these deals. That well, is, yeah, yeah. you know, it shows that United are not pla- are not making rash judgments straight away. Shows it shows that they can kind of get what they want in the in the market, in a sense of like we want to find a plaster to put over this problem that we have. Yeah, and in the summer when the situation changes, we will address things long term. Mm -hmm. I think I'm I'm very quietly pleased with the two players they've signed.
1: Absolutely. And again, I think it, it kind of goes in. We just mentioned it with Arsenal and Jorginho. You know, Arsenal getting a lot of flack for spending 12 million on a player who 12 months to 24 months ago was being mentioned in Ballon d'Or terms, and people are upset about it. Oh no! Don't sign in for 12 million. Well, 12 million is peanuts in the current day. That's that's a worth about I don't know six toes on two feet of Enzo Fernandez, isn't it? So it's like, what's the point in like being upset about these things? Let's see how it works out. I like Sabitzer as a player, and always have done. And I think that when you look at him, you can't generally pick up players like him on the loan market. Certainly in the January loan market, sometimes when players are on their way out or they've had an argument somewhere, yeah, you can pick a good player up on loan. United are not always looking in those markets. So you had to go and shop in those those kind of territories because of what's going on with the Glazers and the sale when that is ongoing and it will be ongoing for at least a few months or whatever. So you can't really commit long-term to players, but you can say to players, like, and I said this with, with Big Valt and now with Sabitzer, you could say, come to the team, help us win now. And if you do well, do you want a big contract? Come play for us. You know, we like you, you're still young enough and we'll build with you. You know, they don't have to be the kind of, you know, the main chess piece on your board. They don't. Like, people get obsessed about these things. It means you can maybe go and get your big marquee sign in next summer whilst having a really strong squad. Ericsson was like that, Scott. You know, when we signed Ericsson, I'd been calling for it, and people were like, oh, he's at Brentford. Oh, I'm like, he's going to be a free agent. And yeah, I wouldn't have signed him for 60 million when he was at Tottenham, going back years after year when he was on the market and before he went into Milan. But I would sign him for nothing, and I think he's a really good player, and I think it can work, and I think it has. So there is a pathway there to getting cheaper talent who are actually still in that top bracket. I think Sabritza could show people a few things. You know, it's, uh, he's better than a lot of the midfielders we've had at our football club over the last 10 years who supposedly were better and cost more money.
2: So we've not always been able to say this this season, given injury issues and a number of things. But Tim now has options available to him for the game against Crystal Palace. <coughs> Fred's been doing all right, Squad again hmm. in the week. Anthony Martial coming on and scoring. Uh, like we say Jaden Sancho's back Marcel Sabitzer is, has been playing I know he's had a break in the Bundesliga so might not be completely up to speed over the last month or so mm. what do you Ten Hag has a lot of options so how do you think he plans ahead and what 11 do you think he goes with against Palace, does he bring Martial back in from the start, does Sabitzer get a chance from the start, does Sancho come in or does he stick with what he's tried and trusted over the last few weeks?
1: Well, I think he weeks. kind of, re- yeah, I think he revealed that in the pre- in the post match presser after the last game, and what he said was he wants more impact from the bench. So th- w- w- with these players coming in and with the shift around, and obviously Sancho being put back in the mix, add Martial to that because he's been in and out with injuries, and that's been a problem. He kind of said it showed in this match how in the 60th minute I can change things with the talent that I've got. And that's what I'm trying to do. So I don't think that any of this means that suddenly these players who are now back on the scene are automatic starters. So do not be surprised to see Big Val still up top and maybe Marshall coming off the bench, but then maybe a little bit of a swap in that moment later on. Same with the same with Fred. Got to remember, you know, it doesn't matter about who's better, Subitza or Fred. You know, we talked about transfer fees. Sabitzer cost you pretty much nothing. Fred cost you fifty-two million. So, you know, when you look at these things in talent-wise, I actually think Sabitzer fits what United want to do with Casemiro more than maybe Fred does. It does not mean Fred is not the starter still. So, Fred might start games in the weeks ahead because, not in seniority terms, but somebody who just knows the system more and being there and being part of training and part of the the wider philosophy of what Ten Hag is trying to do on the training ground. And this guy will be will be kind of assimilated into that. But what we do know, of course, about Sabitzer is that he already is a pressing footballer. He's used to playing pressing systems, getting into areas to be able to intercept and be able to press high up. So, and, that, and that's that's the requirement. Isn't it? A bit like Weghorst is that you brought him in at number nine, not because he's the most prolific goal scorer in the universe. You bring him in because he can press from day one. And we saw that, didn't we? We saw him come in and he ran straight from the first second at the centre-back. It's part of the job. Do it. So I think it's a bit. I think I don't think he'll start. Obviously, he's had no training with us. And Eric no. Ten Hag actually has shown that,
2: like, remember when we were talking about why is Casemiro play not playing and McTominay's in there at the start of the season? Yeah. Uh, Ten Hag has previous for making sure that people are up to speed with how he plays football before yeah. throwing them in.
1: Ten Hag is is I think as an individual, and we've kind of done these kind of psychoanalysis of our manager over a long period of time. He's overtly conservative and what I mean by that is not in a kind of negative term but he will put out a bridge and say right you got to get from this side of the bridge to that side of the bridge or I'm just not playing you. That's the end and we don't do it and, that, and that's his rules, they're his laws Guardiola kind of does that doesn't he? Gio Cancelo, you were this side of my bridge at the time, now you're this side you got to work it back, you're not going to work it back, bye bye out the door. And I think with Ten Hag, he's a little bit like that. I think that's why he's brought Sabitzer in, because he knows Sabitzer will come in and just work hard and work his way into the team. And that gives you another option. And United without Christian Eriksen, I think we've gone, haven't we, from being really distraught about Eriksen in those moments. And when, you know, Mr. Andy Carroll slides through the back of him and ruins three, four months of his career, and we're all really upset about it. to now kind of very quickly thinking United found a solution that might even be a little bit better than Eriksen playing that 6-8 role. So I'm, I'm really high on on Sabitzer at the moment. I hope he kind of proves us all right because I, I think he'll work behind the scenes and I think he might not be ready to start Scott for a couple of weeks, you know, and, and I feel that way about Jaden as well. It's still an ongoing process, but it just means that you've really got some nice options now as you go into the second half of the season. And Man United have got to keep winning, haven't you? Like we're in a cup final, like we said, we've not really talked about that yet. But you're in a cup final against the richest team in the in the pla- on the planet, who have got 500 billion to burn, who just buying you know boys from Everton for 50 million or whatever because they can. You um, talk about transfer fees. Um, and, and they're high, aren't they? Newcastle are going to Wembley to win. This is not a kind of make-up-the-numbers, Newcastle. It's a different time for them. Uh, of course, the last time they were at Wembley in a cup final it was 1999. I remember it very, very well. And we absolutely walked all over Alan Shearer's team. So we're not going to do that again. But I think we've got a team now, at least, that kind of building towards being successful. I wonder how many people
2: listening to this uh, remember that one. Or I, I don't know what our listener base is. I always feel old, Scott. Like when profile. I talk about
1: you know, I, 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 you know, 1999. I'm unfortunately I'm, I'm so old that you know, I, I, when we won, when Solskjaer scored the goal to win the treble, I ran out my flat ran to the local all days and bought all the champagne off their shelves because I was going mad as that's what I did whatever o'clock it was at night. You know, unfortunately I wasn't, that was one game I wasn't at in the new camp. I've been at many over the years and seen, you know, you know, I was there in Moscow for it. But I always think that as well, like 99 to me still doesn't feel that long ago because I'm so flipping old, but yes, a lot of our audience, it's it's kind of like, like old law, isn't it? Like, they didn't see those teams from the nineties and, uh, you know, I always feel really blessed that I was at a lot of those games and that I saw that team because it was the best team, the, the 94 team, the 95 team and up to 99. That period, like, you know, oh, my God. you know, It was like how City are now. You know, we just expected to win every week. If we only won 3-0, we got annoyed. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, we won 3-0 this week. Why are we not in 12-0? Like, oh, and uh, there were different times. But I don't know. I think Eric Ten Hag is building a team that that can expect success going forward as long as it continues.
2: It'd be very good if they can win a trophy because I think it's... yeah One thing, you remember when Sir Alex was rebuilding that obviously Chelsea came along. Obviously, we had the Invincibles. United won the league in 2003. yeah The Invincibles came along, then Chelsea came along and no. it was like, oh, are we United ever going to do this and come back? And I the mm. think they won the League Cup. I can't remember which exact year it was. Was it maybe 07 or 06 or something? I yes. can't remember which one. But it was the it was along, around the time that Ruvan Nisteroy was was there and like yes. the, the next generation was coming in, Ronaldo was there, Rooney was there. John and O'Shea the cup, Yeah. The League Cup <laughs> that was one. that League Cup win,
1: I think, was quite important, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I I one of these things about trophies is that ultimately it's only the, the kind of big two are the ones that really count. They're the ones that people remember and stick with you. Uh, League Cups are useful if you're rebuilding and you're in a cycle and and, and Fergie teams were as well. Like, I think again, people think that it was exclusively successful over his whole tenure and it just wasn't, it wasn't like that, you know, going back to the very start of the, the Fergie years, you know, you had really three or four really barren years. We came second one year, I remember in like 87 it was, and you know, I really was just a boy in those days, but I do remember the cup run, obviously in 1990 against Crystal Palace, uh, we win that We win that game in the replay. And and that was a real precarious time for Fergie. Like, it, it was like he needed that trophy. That FA Cup was a kind of... I remember, like, us holding it and thinking, that's relief that we've won this trophy. We needed this because if we didn't have it, all of this kind of work doesn't mean a lot. You know, you, you slip down a pecking order. And it still then took United a little while to get over the hump to win the title. You know, it took, it took another kind of couple of years he won the Cup Winners' Cup in the middle there as well, which was another amazing night against Barcelona. Barcelona, the best team in the world at that moment. We weren't. We went there and beat them in Rotterdam. It was an amazing time. These things do matter. And I think it's the same for Ten Hag. He'll be saying to his boys, yeah, here's Newcastle, this new opponent, you know, new money. Yeah, They're going to demand to win this because it's the start of their project. But it's also the start of ours. So let's go and win it. I still think on paper, we have the better team today. But... Newcastle are, are a worthy opponent. And this League Cup does matter to Ten Hag. I think if he wins it, it means you can go to new owner, Scott, and go, look what I did with this trophy with real kind of just the minimal backing of about 300 million. Yeah. But, you know, I did do it. And I've shown up. Chelsea, that in one window, so, to be fair. Chelsea have had that in about like a, a, a weird weekend in West London, isn't it? It's kind of like, you know, six hundred million, I think, they've spent now, which is more than than they said this Chelsea spent more money than La Liga, the Bundesliga and Syria all put together. It's like mad, isn't it? Like, it's another conversation. But I think United are doing it the right way. I like the signings. I like the style of football. And that's what makes me feel good. I think that this manager is still building towards the best things by doing it the right way, organically from the ground up. This League Cup does matter this time round. Bit of a
2: shorter one today, but we'll wrap up soon. Any final uh, things you want to talk about, Rob?
1: No, not really. I think, uh, I think with this palace game coming up, it's again, another bit of a litmus test, isn't it? I think this is the kind of game that a year or two ago, United would have really struggled. They'd have gone there, had a maybe personality crisis on the football pitch at Sellers Park. It is, it's, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Old Trafford were playing them, but they came to Old Trafford and really turned us over a few times. And I was at those games. It was horrible. Like you kind of sat there, you know, glum because you're thinking we should be beating this palace team. Uh, I don't want to tempt fate, but I do think this is a good game for United today. I think United. Uh, I think Palace's style of football, and with Vieira wanting to play more football on the deck, actually helps United in their pressing style. So I think United will feel good about that. I don't know is, is Zaha fit? Do we know is he available? We have to oh, wait and see. I don't know. I don't know. So I, I, will, I always think I will be that. I think when you play Palace, the Zaha factor is massively important because he's so important to their transition and if you take Zaha out the attack it just means your fullbacks can get forward more so it's gonna it just means there's so much more there for, for less for Delo to think about obviously Delo made that amazing tackle against Zaha in the box didn't he so I think he knows those Palace boys I think he knows how to to defend them um, but no I think just a good opponent's come to Old Trafford in this sequence of matches because it's only going to be up and down now, Scott, isn't it? Like we've got all sorts of games coming up. We've got Barcelona coming up soon, which we'll be talking about, no doubt in the weeks ahead. And that's a really interesting tie. I think now in terms of the dynamics, Um, but let's see, we can, we can control Palace because I think we probably can with our press. We can keep them back towards their own goal and let's see if we can keep scoring goals. Like, do you start with Martial? I think this is going to be the key now. I think we are a better team with Martial at the top end of the pitch than anyone else. But I think Big Vouts done a great job up there. I think he's uh, he's shown he's a worthy loan signing, worthy to wear our shirt. Yes, indeed. We'll see our United fair against Palace on Saturday. They play
2: Leeds then twice, and I think Barcelona are on the horizon, as Rob just mentioned. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast to this show, uh, the Promise and the Man United podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes on audio platforms, and on YouTube we do twice a week. Usually Tuesdays and Fridays, but I haven't told Rob this yet. I can't do next Tuesday. We're going to need to uh, replan because I have a a stacked day. So we'll maybe come to you a little bit earlier, hopefully. Uh, Head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well, and we'll try and get back to you. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore BN at Promise Land MU for the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. We'll be back very, very soon for another Promised Land episode. Enjoy. The wealth of options that Man United now seem to have in their Arsenal and uh, Crystal Palace next up. Let's hope for three points.